Hello, guys. Welcome back to Blockash Exploring the Blockchain, another episode with your wonderful host. Um, episode 261, we are surely getting up there. Uh, today, we have James Haft, the chairman for DLTX, on the show today. Uh, also, the MC coming up for uh, Expo Crypto and a number of other things that we're going to talk about as well and we'll get into. James, welcome to the show. How you doing, man? Thank you. Thank you for having me. And wow, that's that's first of all, I love the the intro. Uh, uh, you know, impressive 266 shows. Congratulations, man. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we go all out. So full animation, everything we can do. Yeah. Uh, we'll even it. have some stuff scrolling on the bottom as well. I think, I think, um, we, can, I think we can work together. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. James, tell me a bit more about yourself. I'm sure the audience would love to know a bit more about your story. How you got into this space? Um, what your journey has been like um, up to now? Yeah, I love the entrepreneur's journey story. is always fascinating. Um, mm -hmm. Just to start backwards a little bit, I'm the chairman of DLTX, uh, so DLTX.com. Uh, we are the only publicly traded company globally whose primary uh, business partners are protocols as opposed to uh, individuals or businesses. And you know, we think this is the business of the future: is doing business against. Um, uh, against algorithms because you know what the outcomes are going to be. And what we're doing is we're using the rewards uh, st structure from Bitcoin, from Filecoin, from Helium, and from uh, Pocket, which is how information is relayed around the internet. Uh, and we're using the reward structures of the protocols to actually pay for the development of the networks, which over time, while people are valuing the, the, the mining as being an activity now, we actually think that the valuable activity, both economically and politically, socially, uh, and for mankind is the creation of decentralized networks for people to transact in a peer-to-peer -peer decentralized manner. And for that to happen, you have to build the pipes. <clears throat> so DLTX is using the, the protocols to build the pipes, you know, uh, so very much like in the internet age when you had to build the, fi the fiber optics and everyone made comments like each fiber could carry all the traffic in the world. Why do we need thousands of fibers? And now we know why we need thousands of fibers. It's gonna be the same thing in decentralization. The uh, decentralization process in crypto and Web3 is going to be bigger than the Internet. Um, and, we, you know, when uh, transactions start to move over there and scale over the next five or six years, uh, you know, we think that this is a very valuable activity. Um, my background is an investment banker uh, in focusing on emerging markets, focusing on um, Asia and Latin America, where I was one of the first bankers focused from the U.S. Uh, in Latin America and Asia. Uh, and I moved out to Hong Kong in 1990 and was lucky enough to take public the first company in China to list on the New York Stock Exchange. And so I learned back then that you could take an asset, which was difficult uh, uh, for legal and other reasons, uh, and make it available in another market where people desired it, but were being stopped by the, you know, by the, uh, you know, the, the regular regulatory environment. Uh, and what was interesting was that back then, it was illegal for Chinese to sell assets to the United States, and it was illegal for Americans to hold Chinese assets. Uh, but both SECs in China and the United States wanted us to find a way to list Chinese companies on the New York Stock Exchange because the New York Stock Exchange wanted to maintain its, uh, you know, its dominance in the global, uh, in the global stock arena, uh, equity arena. So we found a way basically by taking the stock of the Chinese companies and putting them into a BVI company which was perfectly fine. The British and the Chinese had a great relationship back then. Uh, and then taking the assets, the, uh, the shares of the company in the British Virgin Islands, and we put that into a holding company in the United States. 
uh, and then we listed the U.S. holding company, which was the holder of the BBI assets, which was holder of the Chinese assets. And we listed that on the New York Stock Exchange, fully regulated, uh, approved by the SEC in China and the United States. And so while the newspapers were saying you couldn't do this, both countries actually wanted to do it and found a way to support the mm -hmm. transaction. And I've been using these types of, uh, of, of to really tokenization processes over the last 30 years to create liquidity in assets that people want to invest in, but where it's still a green field and where the, the, the methodology of how to access the opportunity hasn't been fully defined. Uh, I've been, been you know, honing the, uh, the, the tools to create liquidity uh, in those types of assets. And now crypto fits perfectly into that asset. To me, crypto and Web3 is just another emerging market. It's just not defined by countries. Um, and so, you know, in the meantime, I went through, uh, went through the internet age, the, the cell phone age, uh, the, you know, the, the wireless communication age, uh, you know, then the uh, e-commerce age. And then we got to crypto in like in 2015. Um, and I realized that crypto was, that the idea of decentralized transactions was going to, was going to take over. And that was more important to me than crypto or Web3. And that's why our company is called Distributed Ledger Technology, because Distributed Ledger is actually the operating business underneath, the operating protocol underneath all the, the crypto and Web3 opportunities. And our business is to make, is to create uh, those, 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 pro, those platforms. I was lucky enough uh, in the middle there to realize that I didn't know enough people and I didn't know enough about crypto uh, it's 2015, sounds like it's early, but it was late if you're an OG. Uh, and so uh, I realized that in order to, to learn more, I got to get people around me. I got to surround myself with people smarter and, and you know, and more uh, educated uh, and more networked than I was. So I formed something called Crypto Mondays, uh, which is something we formed in 2017. And now it's a very uh, substantial global network of people that meet on Mondays. There's no business model. No one's making money. It's completely decentralized. I literally flew around the world having drinks with people on Monday nights, convincing them that they should be the head of Crypto Mondays in their town. Uh, and uh, now we're in about uh, 70 cities, about 30 countries, about 50, 60,000 followers uh, around the world. It's very active and it's completely decentralized, which is you know, what I believe. I believe we're successful when we can leave the room and other people's energy take over. Uh, you know, and so that's what's happened in, uh, in Crypto Mondays. Um, and that's, I guess, a long-winded uh, background of how I got to where I am. Yeah, it sounds like quite a long background. It sounds like you've been in the space for a very long time, too, and I've seen quite a bit. How do you see Web3 emerging? You know, Well, it's already started to emerge, but how do you see it evolving from here, going from um, these simple use cases and, and what we're doing now and to all the things we hope it'll solve and be in the future in this decentralized world we want to live in. And then how does DLTX and some of what you do hope to fit into that? Cool. In one minute or less, right? Uh, so, 30 seconds. Uh, <laughs> so, so, um, you know, uh, my, I believe everything's fractals. Everyone tries to make everything be different, but the truth is it's just people are the common element between all the different activities. Um, so, you, you know, Web3 is no different than crypto, is no different than the internet, is no different than e-commerce, is no different than cell phones, is no different than the cell phone, the cell phone or the buggy whip or the, or the automobile, right? As long as you have to explain the technology to people, it's not going to be mass adopted and it's not even going to be relevant yet, right? And so what I see with Web3 is as long as we have to call it Web3, it's not going to be valuable. 
right? What's going to be valuable is when your phone does cool things that protect you and give you self-sovereignty and give you control of your information, of your identity, of your value, of your relationships and your communications. When your phone can now deliver that self-sovereignty, people will gravitate towards that because it'll be faster, cheaper. They'll get compensated for doing it um, and it'll be more secure. Uh, and, and so you'll find people like electricity will flow to the path of least resistance. And Web3 isn't going to take over. And crypto isn't going isn't to replace fiat uh, if it, you know, until you, you no longer need to think about the technology or give it a name. If I need to know what protocol I'm on, or if I need to know any acronyms, or if I need to move from one wallet to another wallet and keep changing screens to get things done, it's not going to be mass market. Right. And so what I see now is we're really, really in the early stage. We want to think that we're gone so far and there's been two crypto winters in the last four years. And, you know, look at the, what happened in the last three months, et cetera, et cetera. And you have to realize we're just so early in the process. Nobody is using these products yet uh, on, a, on a scale basis. And honestly, the killer apps haven't even been introduced or thought of yet. And the killer app is what drives the, the adoption. So when the killer apps come out, and I think the first one will be social media, honestly, and communications, uh, before even finance uh, as, a, as a mass market app, um, you know, uh, then when those, when those killer apps start to evolve, that's when you'll see demand to pull. That's where you see where, the, where you take for granted the features that are, that are provided by distributed ledger uh, you know, opportunities. Uh, and that's when, you know, that's when you have mass adoption. Yeah, I think it's definitely an understatement to stay uh, understatement to say how young and early this space is. Um, you know, if you just you want to compare it to like to the early internet, you look at the users in this industry, it's like equivalent to how many users were in the early days of the internet in 1998. Um, and you look at how many companies are in this space and how many didn't exist after 1998 and, you know, how long it took for Amazon or Google to, you know, have a foothold and become what they are today because they had competitors. They weren't the first to do what they do you know, in their industry, um, there's so much growth left and so much happening. And I think that's a big part of the excitement. I'm, I'm sure you see that as well. There's, um, we're just at the tip of the iceberg, I think of what's about to start happening. Right. But to, but to go back to, again, how everything's the same, mm -hmm. right? You, you, all your examples were like these modern, you know, recent companies, the, the, the fortune 500, half the companies in the fortune 500, you know, from 15, 20 years ago, don't exist anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's just a myth that the dollar is the dollar or that the United States is more secure, you know, uh, you know, or, or that, and or reliable, uh, you know, or that, you know, that a company is a company. And if it's on the New York stock exchange, it's, you know, it's forever. These things are just not true. Right. And so, you know, we need to the, the, the real thing that we need to do in education is to get people to understand that you fed a line of you fed a whole concept of what's around you by people who want to preserve those, uh, you know, those power structures. Uh, and so and what decentralization about is taking away the activity and the need away from who owns it now and giving it back to the people so that the platforms start to serve the purposes of the people uh, as opposed to the, the capitalist and, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm a capitalist and I love profits and you know I think that I love the I love incentives for you know by, for profit but we've just gone too far the pendulum swing of too few people holding the power uh, and then those people acting in ways that put us at risk uh, and endanger us uh, for the mere purpose of them having more profit uh, and there's another world coming about in the decentralized world where we can all 
share as individuals in the value that we create in our systems. And we can rely on them better because the people who run the system are us and people who have the same interest as us, not people who are adverse to our, to our safety and well-being. How do you think we further educate and teach people about this industry and get them more involved, but also help them understand the potential potentiality of where it can go and what it can do? Because it's not like you can go to university and get a four-year degree in Web3 or blockchain yet. Um, like there's some certificates and courses out there, but it's not enough. Like you have to be in the space and really have the, the hours put in to actually understand what's going on and, you know, what you can do. Um, well, I, mean, I think it's no secret right now that the, that the unit, that the, that the high schools and the colleges don't, and even the graduate schools don't teach what you need to know to succeed, that they're stuck, you know, in, you know, in the old adage, if you give a guy a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? And so you have, you know, 60, 70-year-old professors teaching, you know, John Keynes and things that they learned when they were 30 years old that they've been teaching over and over again, uh, you know? And so I do think that the educational system needs to change and starts to fo start to focus on the knowledge that people actually need. Um, the, the generation of 15 years old to, you know, to 30 is learning as fast as, you know, is learning very fast. And when you go to these, the industry, it's, a, it's remarkable, uh, you know, the, the amazing uh, young people that have figured this out for themselves, that are creating their own, um, you know, their own reality and are communicating to each other and forming communities and building in, in those communities interesting solutions uh, and platforms. Very much like yourself, Brandon. You represent that class. You know, my, my sons represent that class. Uh, and, you know, you guys are smart and you see it better and you're not um, you're not looking at the world through the haze of someone. You know, I'm 60 uh, and, you know, uh, I, I try very hard to be young. I try very hard to be on the cutting edge. But the truth is, I've been indoctrinated also. And it's, I, I need to fight through that phase. And the younger people, they don't have the same, you know, the same disadvantage. Right. A lot of times it's like in, in, it's like in, in, the, in the tech world, a guy that has you know, legacy technology has a vested interest in that legacy technology, doesn't want to change it. So can't offer the cool new stuff because doesn't want to rip out all their computers and do the, the creative destruction. So a start, young startup comes, has cooler, inter, more interesting uh, platform, is, you know, is, is better equipped to deal with the modern opportunities and eats the market share and becomes the unicorn. Yeah, and so that's really happening you know, across the board. Um, so, you know, I, I think that the, that the way that this, this has to happen now is, A, I do think the educational change ha has to happen, but I think peer-to-peer -peer learning is going to become more important. But also, to go back to it again, fractals, it's the killer apps. If, as long as you have to tell people about the technology, as long as you have to educate them, they're not buying it and they're not using it, right? It's got to be that they, that looks like everything else on their phone, but it's faster, cheaper, more secure, cooler, and it has, you know, the, the Steve Jobs magic. And then all of a sudden people are, you know, are, are gravitating towards it and then it becomes a norm uh, and then it becomes, you know, paradigm shift. And I think it's going to be through killer apps. Yeah, I think we need a Steve Jobs in this space that can, you know, develop some of those killer apps, develop that iPhone, you know, kind of synchronize a lot of what's happening, make it more usable and sellable. Well, I agree with that somewhat. Um, the problem is that the search for Steve Jobs is, a, is the cheap way out the centralized solution, you know, it, we're, we're, we're being disappointed over and over again by the people who are the leaders in the crypto world, like, you know, um, and, you know, and, and it's what's what's happening 
is people see that as the failure of 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 crypto, the, the failure of decentralization, very much like they see the failure of you know Celsius and Three Arrow Capital and whichever one failed today and whichever one's going to fail tomorrow. Uh, but the reality is those are actually supporting the argument of decentralization and peer-to-peer and, dis- and dis- distributed ledger technology because all those entities are centralized. The decentralized are not failing, right? The ones that are failing are the ones where there's a, where there's a, inch, a profit motive that's held by an individual or a group that is not the community, uh, where the community's assets are put at risk for the profit motive of, of, the, of the few. Uh, and so that's really need you know what we need to get you know, to get away from uh, for things to work. Yeah, you make a good point with that. Maybe we just need like a decentralized version of Steve Jobs. I mean, Satoshi was kind of like that in a way. Like no, but, no, but Satoshi stepped out of the way and mm-hmm. built the system. Like I said earlier, where mm-hmm. it, defi- it defined its success that he didn't need to be there, right? Mm-hmm. And we need to get away from this search for a hero. The search for a hero is is the cheap way out. Right. It's the I don't need to do the work because I found that guy. I'm going to go to my beach house and sit on the chaise lounge. And, and, and that's where you become vulnerable. And I do think that's one of the changes that needs to have happen in, in this in this decentralized world in the future. So I do think we need to teach people to take responsibility for themselves. Right. And, and, and I think that that's really a problem right now. I agree. I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, one of the biggest issues with decentralization is the lack of ability for people to come to consensus. And maybe that's the crux of the problem. It's people, you know, not, you know, having more faith in what they can do in themselves, but also wanting to work in a collaborative manner, whether it's centralized or decentralized, be honest. But that that is a huge reason why, you know, certain things don't um, improve as quickly as they should. Like Ethereum, for example, the foundation is a is an effing mess. It's terrible um, because they can never agree on what to do to you know push the protocol forward. That's right. probably going to be yeah. That's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. The technology sucks, right? Yeah. And 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 it's tremendously successful. It's the most successful of the malleable protocols. And why is that? Because they have community, community and attention and killer app, which EVM is the killer app in that area, right? Uh, that's more important. Then the technology, the best technology does not win. The technology with the most people using it wins, right? And so what, what Ethereum did was they came out first, they caught people's attention, they got a, you know, a, a, a network and community of programmers. They have a bunch of crazy evangelists running around, you know, spouting their love 24-7. And they've convinced all the other L2s that they need to somehow marry themselves into, into, into the EVM. So they've, they've actually become, you know, the problem is it's centralized. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. The truth is that Ethereum is centralized, and the the move to L two, you know, Ethereum to, to Ethereum two is actually even more, you know, centralized. So, uh, what does that say? <laughs> yeah, it's a hurdle we need to get over in this space. I mean, getting to true decentralization, you know, the closest we thing we have to that, to be honest, and is Bitcoin. And Bitcoin's not perfect. It's not the best thing out there, but it works. And it's proof that decentralization works. Um, and I have faith in the industry. You know, we'll get there at some point. It's just a matter of time. I have faith in the people, not the industry. Do not have faith in the industry. I have faith in the people. Right? And that's the whole change we need to make. We need to look down through and get the people involved and get people with aligned self-interest to create platforms that support their own activity. And that's really where, 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 where we need to go. But it's going to take effort and it's not going to be a smooth transition. Absolutely. And that's where that's where DLTX comes in, 
right? Mm -hmm. Because in order for all this to happen, the one thing you need to have is pipes. You need to have decentralized storage, decentralized money, decentralized bandwidth, decentralized relay, how your information moves around the internet, and decentralized rendering, decentralized compute, decentralized identity, right? All these things are going to have to are going to have to have platforms that come. And what we're looking forward is creating these networks that can support those transactions. Because remember, in the last election cycle, Parler became very popular very fast. And somehow they went off the air overnight because one person you know, at Amazon turned off a switch, right? And so I, after that, you now know as a corporation, um, as, a, as, a, as a, uh, a government or as any other entity, a bank, you now know that you can no longer claim that you didn't know you, that they, someone separated you from your data, that your business would be dead, right? And so now you're actually negligent if you leave your information on a centralized repository that you don't control the keys to your own data and someone else can turn off your data because they don't like you. So if the U.S. decides they're upset with El Salvador, right, or if Mexico decides they want to go on Bitcoin and the U.S. wants to punish them because the U.S. has shown through the interaction with Russia that it will use the dollar as a military weapon, right? And so now you, you're on notice if you're any country in the world. I mean, I think, unfortunately, the biggest upshot of uh, you know, of, of what happened in Russia is that other countries are going to now know if they do something adverse to the U.S., they got to sell all their dollars first. And it's pretty easy to think about who I'm, who I'm thinking about first, um, you know, without getting into politics here. And so I think that, that, we gotta, that we as individuals have to protect ourselves. I think countries have to protect themselves. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, that, we're, that enterprises have to protect themselves. And I think that's where decentralization starts to become that safe harbor. Absolutely. I'm starting to feel that Expo Crypto is going to be really, really fun. We have conversations like this all day long for two days I'm gonna, straight. I'm, I'm going to take you here. <laughs> you know, I like to. I like people to talk about the, um, you know, the the, the the interesting stuff. I don't do crypto for money, right? Mm -hmm. I'm, we're going to make money. My company is, you know, will be will be profitable. Uh, there's a huge opportunity. A lot of blue ocean in front of us. But the reason I do this is because I know that I that it's easier to be that I want to be in a growing market. And I know that this is going to be the fastest growing market in the world is going to be the shift for information, value, relationships, and identity to move towards decentralized platforms. And, you know, I want us to be the flagship investment for people who want to invest in public companies who could basically look at us as AT&T or Comcast, you know, or, or Amazon of the future, where we're going to have a stack of capabilities and that as people build their apps and as the killer the killer apps are developed they're all going to need you know to use currency bandwidth file storage you know and, and relay rendering uh, and compute uh, and and that you know that, that this is where there's growth and, and when we're talking at at expo crypto you know we're bringing down uh, all the the, the 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 companies that we know and, and we have the you know the, the organizers and I have deep and wide relationships. And we're going to be up there talking about the future and why it's important and how you can participate and why this matters. You know, I think the most important thing we can teach uh, you know, and, and get people to talk about is why this matters in real world terms, why you need to protect your identity, why you need to have some, if not all, of your value uh, you know, held in a way where you own the keys. Uh, to it, uh, you know, because even if I'm wrong, you know, if the way I put it is, if you don't have a partial uh, a, a, a crypto and non-fiat as part of, of, of your portfolio, uh, let's say 10, 15 percent at minimum. Right. I think uh, 
you know, if I'm wrong, you'll lose 10%. You'll be upset, but you'll go be fine. If I'm right, that 10% is going to be worth much more than the rest of your portfolio. And if you don't have that 10%, you're going to fall behind. You're going to be standing still while everyone else is on a bullet train, right? And you can't let that happen to yourself. You have to protect yourself. And that's, I, I believe, the, the, the easiest and most logical reason to tell people that they need to come in to this asset class. Absolutely. I have a lot of thoughts on that. Um, we're running short on time on the show, but just quickly, I, I think for a lot of people, they agree. And I think they're starting to really come around to the benefits of a decentralized world and everything that means like what does that entail for them it's difficult because the legacy system still makes it difficult for them to fully take advantage of it like for example like you want to um get a, a ride to work it's far easier to use uber than it is to try and find a decentralized solution because it doesn't exist yet um you want to get a loan getting a loan through DeFi is doable, but it's not always practical for everybody because a lot of it is collateralized lending and they don't have um, full DAO backing or something like that yet. And, you know, those things are coming. But there's some things that hold people back from getting into this space still. And it's going to take some time to, you know, get the legacy system more interconnected. Having more on and off ramps, I think, is going to be very important. Staying connected, stable coins, um, you know, interconnecting certain industries a bit more, insurance, real estate, um, banking, being, you still can't spend most of your crypto anywhere you go. I mean, there's a few options to do it, but if I own a bunch of Bitcoin or any crypto for that matter, I can't go to Starbucks right now and get a coffee still. So there's little hurdles and things of latency that makes it a little difficult, I think, for people to say, okay, I'm going to go all in and go fully decentralized because I don't think they see the path forward yet. So the people in this industry, when I say industry, I, I mean the people, because I think the people make the industry. Um, there needs to be more done, I think, in bridging some of those things. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, you know, but, but you have to understand that the people that are in power now, that have, uh, that have nice salaries and nice cars and beautiful country houses based on the current system, they're not going to open the door and put out the red carpet for you to have a different system where you where you have control. You know, they need for you to think that they are relevant, right? And, and they're going to fight tooth and nail, uh, you know, and unfortunately what it comes down to is, you know, almost violence and then how you're held there. You know, if you want to take your money out tough, you can't do it. You know, there's a fee to do it. It takes time. I need more information. I mean, why do you need all this information, you know, et cetera. Uh, you know, and then, you know, and then I need the reason why you're doing it as if that was their business. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think if I, if I have like two more minutes, I have a, a little parable. That no, I for it. Um, so, I mean, you have to understand the, the historical reason of why all this is happening. Uh, and again, going back to fractals. So hundreds of years ago, we had man running around disorganized, uh, you know, and chaos. Right. And humanity started to realize that they needed to cede some of their authority and responsibility to centralized third parties who could organize the rules that would be that would form the social contract for how we deal with each other, and that happened with states. Nation states were formed. That happened with uh, with autocracy. They gave power to to, to uh, you know to um, autocrats to, to monarchs. Um, that happened with currency. We surrendered uh, you know the control to the monarch who had the control of the currency that then used that as the way to tax 
So we, we agreed to taxation so that we could support the military and other centralized authority and police. Right? And we brought around the, you know, the, the, the post office. We brought around religion. Right. We brought around educational systems uh, and all these different systems were based on the idea that a centralized authority knew better than us that would make the rules and we'd all agree to comply. Those centralized authorities started to realize across the board, religions and governments and military, et cetera, that they only had power if they were given the power and supported by the population. And they started to get worried that they would lose that support. So they all started to threaten the people in different ways. Like religion threatened you with excommunication, right? Or other, you know, even nastier things that they used to do in the Middle Ages, right? The, 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 the monarchs became, you know, away from benevolent towards, you know, uh, you know rule-based and violence-based rule uh, with, you know, with forced seizure and control of your activities. Uh, and education, if you don't go to Yale or Harvard, et cetera, then you're not worthy. You know, then the school, you know, what school did you go to and why did you do it? Right. Um, as across the board, you know, you're, I'm an American because I was born in America, so I better pay my taxes. And if I want to leave, I better be willing to pay 10 years, et cetera. Right. And so, you know, people, the, the, all these different systems have realized that they that they need the people and that they have and they've, they've got they've lost the concept of using incentive uh, to have people hold them in there. And they've gotten to the point where they where they can only use violence. They can only use a threat to keep you. And it's very much like uh, the uh, the computer. How? in 2001 space, uh, space Odyssey. You know, the computer was supposed to protect the astronauts. And then the computer realized that to do its job, it had to ha have the control of the astronauts. And it realized the astronauts were starting to tit out the computer. So the, so the computer, you know, there's a famous scene where, you know, they're outside fixing, the, fixing the, the ship and they need to get back into the ship. And they say, you know, open the pod bay door, Hal. And Hal says, Dave, I can't do that. Right. And that's our governments now. That's our religion now. That's our political system now. Right. That's our militaries now. Right. That's our police now that aren't getting along with it with the population. Right. And so what we're seeing now is what comes next. How do we disentangle? How do we now create a social contract that's not based on having given the authority to someone else that now has an adverse interest to us and is using violence to hold us in you know, or threats of violence to hold us into accountability? And so I think that that system has come to an, is coming to an end and that distributed ledger and, dis, and uh, you know, and all the disintermediation and peer to peer distribute, distributed ledger things that we're doing are really, they're not the answer yet. They're just the beginning of the answer. And Bitcoin and decentralization are not causing the changes. The needs of humanity are causing the changes and they're reaching out to these tools because they're the best answer today to solve those problems. And so again, people tend towards the least resistance. They tend towards the light at the end of the tunnel. And that's what's happening right now with decentralization. Yeah, I think that's a good um, overview of what our world looks like today and the entanglement that we kind of live in that's entrapping us and making it difficult to branch out into this new age that I think we're moving into. Um, we're definitely at the end of the, the show here, so we're going to wrap it up. But James, did you or where, where are you in social media? Where can people find you? Do you have a LinkedIn? You do have a LinkedIn. I, I have a LinkedIn. Uh, um, first of all, um, uh, <clears throat> my company is DLTX.com. The company is the representation of my vi vision. I have fantastic partners uh, at the company who are better, faster and smarter than I am, uh, you know, who represent my whole idea that is only successful 
you know, if I can, if I can step back and have better people than me be excited to keep it on. So DLTX.com, please watch what we're doing. Uh, and then I, I am JF Haft on almost all social media, on Twitter, on Telegram, et cetera. So JF Haft uh, is my, uh, is my, is my handle if you want to follow me. Um, and then on you know, LinkedIn, you can see what I'm doing in terms of business on a day-to-day -day basis. And, awesome. and, and expocrypto.io, uh, September 6th through 11th is the VIP week, and the 9th and the 10th is the actual uh, conference. And if you want to see me, I'm going to be on the stage the entire time. Uh, I'm going to talk less than I talked here uh, and, you know, and create an opportunity uh, for you know, really fantastic group of people who are as passionate and more passionate than I am about what they're doing and who are really going to give everyone the opportunity to learn in an environment that is inclusive uh, and makes no assumptions about who you are or what you need. This is really a movement that's open for everybody. Awesome. Guys, go check out DLTX. Go check out James. Keep a close eye on what they're working on. They're doing some fantastic stuff. Um, he'll also be at Expo Crypto. So make sure you go to expocrypto.io. Get your ticket. Show up. It's going to be fantastic. We're all going to have a lot of fun in September here in Medellin. Um, James, MC, Chairman, so many titles, so many things, so much you're doing. Um, yeah, most really important is, fa is father. Uh, so and father. Know. Yes. James, thank uh, you for taking the time to come on the show. Fantastic episode. Um, let's talk again soon. Uh, abrazos. All right. Ciao. See you.